Hi, and you're very welcome back to episode 27 of season two of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I can hardly believe it's 27, but there's only a handful left as we are getting to the business end of the season. Of course, I'm Breffney Early, and joining me once again is Aaron Clark of the WNL show. Aaron, very welcome back to the show. Good evening, Breffney. Looking forward to it. Um, looking forward to what's going to be a massive weekend. Um, really reeling back into reminiscing of the last time the Women's National League went to a playoff, how how tight that the last couple of weeks were and it really has that sort of buzz again about it and you know we've had four teams in, in the in the hunt for the, league for the last couple of weeks so it's been great and i'm looking forward to what's going to play out this weekend well we're going to talk to somebody in just a few moments about uh eliminating one of those teams from the that uh, title equation we're down to three Piedmont, of course uh, dropped out of that race last weekend when they failed to beat wexford youths we're going to talk to someone who knows both of those sides very very well in the shape of becky watkins in just a few moments but first of all uh aaron did you get a chance to look at the game what, what were your thoughts you were probably in green over no i actually i actually wasn't i wasn't still wasn't feeling too well so i only went to the, the early game the weekend but i watched it all and probably one of the games of the season i had absolutely everything end to end some mistakes here some brilliant brilliant finishing what more could you ask for with such a such a poignant time of the season Interesting enough, I was just doing a bit of digging at the weekend, and it's the third game Piedmont have had in PRL Park on TG Car. They're still winless in TG in on, on the TG Car at home. I think they'll be kicking themselves that they let they let Wexford use back into it at the end. Probably thought they had Wexford dead and buried when they went three two up, but great fight from Wexford, and it was just an absolutely thrilling game to watch. And anybody who was there got value for money. Anybody who watched it on TG Car definitely got value for money. And, if people haven't, I'd advise them to go back and have a look at it because it was probably my game of the season. Well, value for money on a freebie is not the worst uh, possibility in the world, but it was. It was an absolute cracker of a game. Six goals, uh, but it had absolutely everything in it. Um, we saw the crossbar rattle laid on as well in a, game, in, a, in a chance that would have decided the game, really. But um, can Piedmont have... Um, will they reflect on maybe on the chances missed that they could have really buried Wexford and maybe left themselves in a really good position coming into next week's game? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll reflect on a lot of different things, not even just about Saturday night, about throughout the season. Some of the performances they had, the, the likes of the games where against DLR and the ball where they struggled to get results and things like that, where other seasons they would have got them sort of wins. It's it's one of them for, for Piedmont that... They gave it everything. You've got to give them a lot of credit for the last six to eight weeks because the last six to eight weeks they've been brilliant. I think they won eight out of, I think they won uh, seven out of nine and one draw. They've been absolutely superb and they really put themselves back in, into the box. See, I know we, I know we've talked about this on and on and on again this season, but that missed three points at the start of the season now is, is going to be absolutely, it's going to be a hard one to take. To take, but you've got to give them credit because they could easily roll over and and, and just gave up after, especially after Shelburne beat them four 0 and in Piedmont and they didn't they went on that massive run and just one game to well one the games ran out for them re- realistically if they had a couple of more games they might have had a had an opportunity but fair play to them I think they gave it at all and they just come up against a stubborn Wexford side who were just determined not to not to lose on Saturday of course uh, Piedmont can't win the title but they could in theory at least finish in second place 
on that league table if results were to go their particular way. But one person who'll be trying to make sure, no more than last weekend, that results don't go Piedmont's way and that uh, they can themselves secure the title is uh, Becky Watkins of Wexford Youths who face shells in a top-of-the-table clash. Winner-take-all. Losers could end up with nothing. So it's a it's win-at-all-costs on Saturday evening. Uh, Becky joins us now. Becky, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, lads. How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're, we're good. We can hear you loud and clear all the way up from... Uh, is it Tullamore you're in at the moment? Uh, I'm actually in Manute at the moment, but yeah, I live in Tullamore. Yeah, so obviously you have an awfully woman studying in Kildare, but also heading to play football at, in Wexford at the weekend. You must enjoy being in the car. I hope you've got a good podcast on when you're going down there. <laughs> yeah, my parents actually come and they bring me, so it's a long two and a half hours, but when you're playing, it's worth it. Well, let's talk about last weekend's game. Let's start there because obviously you're well known to the folk at P-Mount. You've spent a couple of seasons there yourself. Made the decision to go south to Wexford last year. What can you tell us about, I suppose, why that you made that decision in the first place before we get into last week's game? Uh, yeah, so I obviously made a decision to go to Wexford. It was basically just because game time. Uh, I felt like kind of any games I was in, I wasn't consistent enough. And then with P-Mount being a top side as well, I just felt I didn't break into the team kind of to be in it every 90 minutes like so then I kind of looked elsewhere and I was thinking I was actually on the under 19s at the time and I just needed to be playing week in week out um so I looked elsewhere and then I went to trial at Wexford and I just loved it so uh, I think from my from from my point of view though Brefney you could sort of see when she, when, when she was with P-Mount coming on here and there was you're in the sort of competitions that you're in the likes of the Steph's the on you the established players it's not easy but when she probably went to Wexford it was one it was a time where there was an opportunity there you had the likes of Kira Bates Crosby trying to break through as well so there was young young opportunities and I think it's probably been a move that's allowed allowed you Becky if you say to flourish in the, in the last year you've played a lot of games started a lot of games and you can see how much it's it's helped you to develop yeah definitely um I wasn't used to getting 90 minutes at all and to be honest even going to Wexford I wasn't expecting that at all I was just kind of hoping to get more game time than I did before Um, I was obviously very young coming into the P-Mount setup so I wasn't expecting much but then kind of as I got into next season I was like right for my own development I just need to be playing more but um, yeah like you said did such a good forward line like with Steph Anya Alana McAvoy like I just felt that going elsewhere might benefit me more so of course that has worked out for you start 21 games we according to our records at least this year um, five the previous year so you must feel uh, vindicated and kind of happy with that decision. What's your thoughts on, on kind of the move now? Has it worked out? You happy? must be happy with how it's worked out. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely delighted. Like even coming into games, it's it wasn't the same kind of knowing, will I even get on or will I have 10 minutes? Like preparing for a game was just so different. It was kind of like, like you had to be, like your attitude was always good, but it had to be just extra positive. Like, okay, if I come on, I'm going to do all I can, whereas now it's kind of like I need to be ready from the get-go and it wasn't kind of like the doubt in my head, am I going to get on, am I good enough to start? It's kind of like they trust me now and I'm more than likely going to be starting at the weekend, like hopefully anyway. How do you compare, say, the game the weekend to maybe you start in the Champions League against Glasgow over there? How do you compare the sort of, you know, the, the two big high-profile moments, one probably unexpected, where now you go into this weekend's being one of the mainstays in the in the youth team. Yeah, um Champions League was definitely unexpected. Um 
I'd only kind of started training my PMAT and then at 16 I was told I'm going to be starting and just up top for them so that was obviously mad but um yeah I think uh confidence wise like I'm a lot more happier in myself going into this game at the weekend I'm like right I've put in a few good performances and hopefully I will contribute to Wexford's performance to get over the line on Saturday. If we cast right back just before we get on to the next week's game in, in full, um, last week, P-Mount, of course, what does it feel like going back in there as a as an away player into the other dressing room wearing the different jersey and yeah. kind of trying to bring down a team you've been part of for the last two years and I suppose ultimately doing that in the end? Uh, yeah, I actually was happy enough. Um, I wasn't overly nervous. Like I feel I kind of left on good terms with everyone. I'm still friends with a lot of girls um get on well with the managers and stuff it was just obviously weird coming in and you're just kind of greeting them but you don't want to be overly friendly obviously so you're just kind of being civil until after the match then you can chat away and hug or whatever but yeah no it was definitely weird you're going into a different dress room different girls different teammates but yeah no it was grand in terms of friday in terms of saturday was there any 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 thoughts back to the game that was played on the friday night in Piedmont earlier in the season where it's fair to say Wexford didn't show up and P-Mounts had a field day that night. Was there yeah. any real sort yeah, of I think thoughts that of that coming definitely, into it? Yeah, that was definitely in the back of our heads. Like we even said during the week, they did come and they, or well, we did come and they did batter us that day. So I think we were out to get a bit of revenge, but I think we got it in our own way. In terms of the game on Saturday evening, it's winner take all, as you said, but then again, defeat or a draw, for both sides and neither could end up winning the league title what what do you do different in a week with a big game or do you do anything different than you might have in the recent weeks ahead of a game like this against shells on saturday night um i think just kind of adjusting it a bit so obviously last week was a really tough game as well Um, everyone was quite sore the next day even monday so we kind of just had an easier session on tuesday done a bit of analysis and then thursday will be sharp but obviously not in heavy like so that were fresh going into Saturday. Just it is the last game. Like there's no point doing anything ridiculous during the week. And with such a bit with such a build up, everybody's sort of writing that loan off the sense as as even Bradley says, winner takes all. How is is it hard to even concentrate on that dynamic knowing that you know you, all you can do is win. You can't you can't really reflect on what else is going to happen outside your, your control. And I think maybe because the fact to drop points at the weekend, a draw would have been good enough, but now you know it's only a win. How does that sort of change things? Um, yeah, it's obviously we can't be as defensive. We can't just hold out and hope for a draw and then be given a second chance like against that loan. But um, no, I think I actually like it in a way because we have to push forward. We have to get the win. We can't draw and then go on to a different game. Like We have to be better than Shelburne, simple as, if we want to come out with the league. So it kind of comes down to that. It's like if we win, we win the league, simple as. So. What was the conversation on the? Well, you probably would have been on the bus back to to Wexford in the dressing room after the game. What was the the kind of the feeling uh, after the Piedmont game? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think after us equalising the last few minutes, we were on a high. We didn't know were we to celebrate or were we to just be kind of disappointed that we didn't get to win. But I think the fact that we had knocked Piedmont out and that we were definitely still in a very good chance to win the league, we were on cloud nine, like after scoring the goal so late on, like, I'm not going to lie, after they went 3-2 up, we were kind of like, oh no, there's only a few minutes left, is this over? But, um, 
yeah, I think just to get the goal back, we're absolutely delighted. Half the reference, Kylie Murphy. Obviously, she scored the second goal. Such an inspirational leader, and we, it's all evident what she does. You listen to the interview after the game with the League of Ireland socials, and she re, she references the younger players, and you see the likes of Anya Walsh, Jess Lawler scoring. It's a different age in Wexford now, where the younger players are starting to deliver big performances on the big days, and I think that also helps to take a bit of the pressure off the the more experienced players as well. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. Um, there definitely is a huge focus on the youth uh, in Wexford. Like, it's brilliant. Like, every time in training, Kylie's driving them all and talking to them all. Like, even I remember we were doing sprints a few weeks ago and she had me and Avine, um a few yards behind her and we had to outrun her in every sprint for us to have done a sprint successfully. Like, it was just insane. But, like, it's just phenomenal the work that she puts in. So were you having to, like, Keep up with her, so if she, yeah. that didn't so, count as a number. Yeah, so if she... How many did she beat you in? Uh, we won't discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> you finished but up yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that, but like even from a Wexler point of view, like Alan Malai gets injured, injured just after the under-19 international break. A lot of talk is, are Wexford gone? Wexford this, they're missing this and they're missing that. Was it hard for you guys as a group because a lot of people are putting the spotlight on to say, oh, Ellen's gone, they're not going to do anything, or Ellen's gone, they won't be successful. What's that like? Because, A, it's a lot of pressure on the likes of Ellen, but what's it like for, for, for you as a team? Uh, obviously, everyone was absolutely good with Ellen's injury because she is one of the major players for us, and she kind of had an influence in the goals or setting up most goals. But, um, yeah, I think actually it's been obviously negative but it's been positive in a way because all of us have kind of had to step up and give that extra percent like I feel even myself right we're down a huge loss everyone else has to be better like Emma Walker and Jess Lawler who have come on they know they have huge boots to fill so I don't know I think the morale everyone's kind of like do it for Ellen as well Um, obviously Della's injured as well at the moment but like even in that loan like, I know things didn't go our way, but we were just looking at her and what she would do to be on that pitch. Like, it's just outrageous and the discipline she has. So I think everyone in the back of their heads is just like, if we can't do it for ourselves, do it for Ellen. Because it just means absolutely everything to her, like it should. Yeah, of course, Ellen, highly involved in that World Cup qualification as well in recent weeks. Um, I suppose yourself, one interesting note, I'm just looking back through your stats here. You play, you started more games for Ireland last season than you did for P-Mount. Um, been part of that under-19 team, getting that opportunity to really excel at, at an international level. Um, with the girls qualifying, I know you haven't been involved really up to now. Is that an ambition? Is that realistic? Is that something you'd have in the back of your mind going, if I really put the effort in for the next six or eight months, there's a small chance, there's a little chance that I could be on that flight to, to the South Hemisphere? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um yeah, so kind of coming from the 19s, it's kind of been a gap for me at the moment, but it's definitely something I will be like aiming towards. Like it would be, I, I don't even know how to describe what it would be if I got some sort of call up. But um, yeah, no, it definitely is what I'm working for. And sure, obviously starting loads of games this season, I think I'm working towards that, like where I wasn't really kind of anywhere in the spotlight when I wasn't kind of getting game time. No one really knew who I was. So I'm hoping after the first season of Wexford and then, Next season, things hopefully get even better. Is it fair to say, even in yourself, since you came into the league, physically you've got an awful lot stronger as well. I mean, looking from when you first come into now, 
you can see a lot more powerful and things. Is that something you're working on? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so being only 16, 17 coming in and you're up against really physical defenders and you're sent forward trying to hold up the ball for your team, you kind of know straight away when you feel the push in the back if you're going to fall over the ball or if you're going to be able to hold it up. But um, yeah, I think I've kind of adjusted with that from training with girls who are so experienced and stronger than me and then just doing work myself, like obviously gym work and stuff. In terms of, I suppose, the difference this year um, in what you've been doing away from the pitch, maybe uh, talk to us about, I suppose, the work that you've done in the gym or at training to kind of improve physically and tactically as, as you go along. Um, yeah, so it was kind of harder for me to be able to train with some sort of boys team because I was so far away from Wexford. But um, so apart from gym sessions that you're given from Wexford or ones you're doing on your own, um, typically that'd be twice or three times a week. Like it'd be reduced now. Like I'd probably only be doing one this week um, with the college because it's such a big game at the weekend. You don't want to be sore anyway. Um, so I was training then with, there was a few local girls then from Midlands. We were all training together with Gary Seary and the FAI. He'd done a few sessions for us all and like the benefits were just outrageous. Like he'd have the whole session plan done and just it was brilliant for sharpness and stuff. Like um and then even when I had to take a break for leaving cert, so I'd done sessions with him to kind of try to keep up my sharpness whenever I could instead of kind of traveling. It was just local, so I'm grateful for that. That must have been difficult for you because I know I know a couple of a couple of the extra girls st- st- stepped away for the studies and stuff like that. Was was it hard watching on from the sidelines? Yeah, um, you just kind of had the guilt um, stepping away and just feeling bad after letting down the girls really because you're after coming into this team haven't really proven myself at all, and then you kind of have to come out because things just got a bit too much. But um, yeah. It was it was definitely hard just watching and cheering on and hope that they'd get the result. But um, look where they are now, so <laughs> they're doing fine. I think people understand the pressures on people at that t- stage of their lives. They, they they get the 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 trade off of the two. In terms of, I suppose, um, what your ambitions are yourself. Obviously, you've been in those Ireland squads. Uh, you're now a regular in the women's national league. You're competing for a league title on on Saturday night. Where, what comes next for you? Um, yeah, so this season I was kind of just hoping to get as much game time as possible. Um, next season I'm hoping to like just get my name out there a bit more, be more of a name that's kind of out or feared kind of coming into games, not just someone who plays on the team. Like I want to have more of an influence on the team if I can, just in my own performance, like, and then see where it takes me. Like you said, if I can work anyway towards an international call-up, like, I'll be it's amazing. Like, that'll be all I want, but, um, yeah. What would it mean to get a National League title on Saturday night? Oh, it'd mean everything. I think after such a long season, like, and if you told us at the start when we were going through such a rough patch that we were going to be in this chance, we wouldn't have believed you, but we kind of got out of it and we've got the results that were needed, so... You mentioned doing the Leaving Cert this year, obviously, and you're studying in, in Minute at the moment. Um, the college is seen as, is fairly vibrant at the moment. I saw a team sheet from, um, I think it was Galway last week. That was scary in terms of the yeah. talent that's, a, that's at their disposal. What's the setup like in Minute? Are you playing football in Minute? Um, yeah, we actually just had training there before the podcast. But um, yeah, Minute's actually a very good setup. 
um they kind of surprised me the minute I came in it was so professional but um so many women's national league players are in and there's even girls who's actually stopped playing football at all but they're outrageous like the shots they're pulling off in training like the training's just like I kind of thought okay college football it probably won't be as serious as women's national league or whatever and obviously it is a different standard but some of the girls are just outrageous like you have Leah Doyle Erin Fildara um Sarah Kiernan she's after leaving now but like just unbelievable I think got just on that on that Galway one, Brefney. I think I think I remember hearing I think it's twelve underage internationals in Galway and playing college football. Like it's 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 great for the for the progress. And I think that things like that, strong college league, obviously has massive impacts for for the women's national league as well because they go they go hand in hand. Yeah, what I'm actually loving about it is I'm getting to train nearly every day with it. So I've club training on a Tuesday and then I've college training Monday or college match on the Wednesday. So instead of me kind of having to go out and doing stuff myself, I'm kind of forced to do it within the team and I have other players who are training with me and they're at such good standards. So. Yeah, I'm just looking at that team the other day. Leah Brady, Aoife Thompson and Anna Fahey amongst the substitutes. You know, so that's kind of the level of, of players that we have. Scandalous, at the moment. like. But the, the college scene has always been vibrant and always been that, that kind of bridge. You talked about it earlier, about that gap between under-19 internationals and the, the senior side at an international level, there is a, a college scene there as well. I don't know if it's still part of the World University Games. It definitely was up to recently, but I think it's kind of been dropped out of the, the, the program for the World University Games, which is a shame because it, it did fill that gap and it was kind of like going to a World Cup and we probably would have seen you there over the next couple of, uh, well, the next two or three years or whatever it might be. Um, but Becky, in terms of the weekend, uh, what's the hope? What's the celebration? No cup final to save yourself for if all goes well? No, no cup final to save ourselves. So I think every last ounce of energy needs to be given this weekend. But uh, yeah, no, I'm confident in our ability. Like I I think we're probably the underdogs going into it, but um, I like it that way. Um, I think we have every chance of beating them. Um, obviously we can't draw or we can't lose but like I think if we just play our own game and we focus on us and we go at them hopefully we can be successful Is having it at home an advantage? Definitely yeah um, I'm way more looking forward to it being at home you have your own crowd like obviously there will be loads of Shell supporters as well but just with TG Carter and everything like it just and then if we get to win you're at home for it. Like there's no traveling back for it. I don't know. It just kind of tops it off, to be honest. I know you're used to having cameras at games now because of, uh, I suppose, LOI TV over the last few seasons. So it's not as unique a thing, but having the TV crew there and the lights and, and just that kind of a buzz of live TV. And I'm, I'm sure it brings you added, um, I suppose, added awareness from people who might not necessarily be tuning in on a weekly basis. Do you notice that as a player or, or, or is it even mentioned in the build up to games? Uh, no, it definitely is. Um, it obviously adds to your nerves a bit when you're seeing the camera and it's all professional and the commentating and everything. But um, it's well, <laughs> sorry, but, uh, yeah, no, it's. I think it's such a good opportunity for families and stuff. Like I'm getting so many texts off cousins and everything that are watching the game, and it just helps them keep up with it instead of driving two and a half hours to ferry car. Just still able to be there and. I think it kind of makes it a bit more special to us as players. Like I kind of realise, okay, like we're actually doing really well to be here, and we actually should be proud of ourselves and where we've come. So, it kind of makes it a bit better, I suppose. 
I have one final question for you, and I suppose it boils down to what you've just said about the two and a half hour round trip. Uh, you're not a million miles from Athlone. Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Did that come up as an option last year? Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, obviously, when I was considering the leaving there, I was like, um, Athlone's only half an hour away. Would have been ideal, but I just found when I went to Wexford, I just it was just a whole different feeling. Like I just loved it straight away. The girls were just amazing. Like, and not and against Athlone, like I still have loads of respect for them sure look how well they're doing they could be in for a league or a cup but um yeah no it just kind of came down to when I went to Wexford I just had that feeling kind of straight away that this is the club I want to be in and this is where I think I'm going to get on best so that was kind of it well you're one game away from potentially winning the league so uh, we can't knock that decision from any angle uh Becky so great to have your company for the last 20 minutes or so thanks very much for joining us and the very very best luck to you and your side uh, in the game on Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a million, lads. Becky Watkins there from uh, Wexford. Um, she seems fairly ca- relaxed, fairly uh, calm ahead of what's potentially the biggest game of the year. Yeah, and it's, it's good to see as well. The only question I'd say is, how relaxed will she be on Friday night? That's the <laughs> question when you're going into Saturday morning and the nerves start to, to creep up. I do, I do, like, from a Wexford point of view, I think they would be delighted that the game is not in Tolka Park, just with the fact that you know, they got the, the the rowdy branches crowd from themselves behind the goal as well. They'd have been getting, you know, singing songs. They'd have been noisy throughout, and I think they will travel. But just being in Ferry Craig Park, home surroundings, home thing, from a Wexford point of view, is good. But like, it's a game of football. Everybody it has to be won in the end of the day. Same two teams played played last year in the last day of the season, and. That was an, that was a thrilling encounter when Adele Kennedy played in goal. Thankfully, this weekend we won't see an outfielder in goal for Wexford. Hopefully, you never know what happens in the world. Plenty of other games, of course, across the, the weekend to come. But let's maybe take a quick look back at the games we've skipped past uh, in this weekend or last weekend, just gone. And uh, if I bring them up here in front of me, we're looking at probably let's go maybe to the other title challengers uh, at loan. They had a fairly intense game. Galway, they know each other so well over the years. Um, players have jumped between the two clubs since that loan came into the league uh, at bo- in both directions. A lot of girls based in Galway playing with that loan and vice versa. Um, they needed a win to keep up their any hope of winning the league title. Tough game against their local rivals, effectively. They, they did pull it out of the bag. Uh, a great goal, great win, 1-0. I think I think yeah, Galway Galway with the fact that the news they've gotten in recent weeks has given a lot of players a spur because they know what's going to happen next year. And I think you could you could see that they were they were playing there. They just they want to finish the season off on a on a, on, a, on as good a note as possible. But the thing about them is Galway they're also in a battle for 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 fourth place with the likes of DLR with the likes of DLR and DLR and Ball, sorry fifth place. So they don't want to lose that. They know quite well if they win this weekend would steal that for them, but they could have potentially sealed it last weekend. So they have a lot to play for themselves. There's a lot of pride. You look the likes of Julianne Russell down there. But Galway gave it as much as, as much as they got. They had some opportunities, a couple of efforts off the woodwork and things like that. But from a, a, a clown point of view, I think for them it was just about getting the job done. They wouldn't have minded it was a 95th minute 1-0 winner. They just wanted to come out there with the three points. I think they know there's no pressure on them when it comes to the league title. The pressure's all was all on the other two teams because they needed a draw in Ferry Carrick Park and Piedmont last week and a draw in Ferry Carrick Park to force a playoff this this week. That was the only way they would stay in it. If Wexford had a one, they were obviously out of the title race. So from them, they've nothing they've they've no pressure on them in, in terms of they're just playing to try to get results as possible. And they're on a good run of form. And I think from them, 
they'd be happy to just get that one nil win. Yeah, at times it wasn't pretty, but it's it's all about just getting the results at this stage of the year, and it just shows how far they come. Other years they probably would have lost that game. Yeah, it's a big big um, moment for Athlone ahead of this. I don't think anybody, even with the good start they made to the season, would have expected them to last the course and be in the hunt on the last day of the season. So interesting to see how that pans out in Daily Mount this weekend. Could be a uh, they could force a playoff. Of course, they can't win the league at the weekend, but they could force a playoff. Just on they- that. Yep. Just on that, I was doing a bit of research. Like, if it does go to a playoff, it'll be interesting to see where the when the playoff is played, because the fact that after the cup final, it's an international window. So there is talk that Ireland will have games, so they probably won't be played during that window, which means it's either going to be played the Wednesday before the cup final. Or it'll have to be played after the international window, and after the international windows, there's Arsenal players to hold on probably for another three weeks. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting schedule thing. I wonder will the FAI come out and say if it is, if a playoff is, this is where it's going to happen, or I assume the clubs may already know details like that. But it's I would, a, I would imagine the clubs will be aware of what what's happening if that happens. Uh, the FAI have got their acts together on that sort of stuff in recent years, and I expect them to have made. Um, some sort of arrangements for that because obviously there's there's only a certain combination. It can only be shells and Athlone in the playoff. Yeah, Wexford either win or lose on at the weekend. So, so it could be it could be two trips to Tallow Stadium potentially in four days. I'm sure they won't be complaining <laughs> in the Midlands uh, with that one. They'll find the money for the bus on that particular occasion. Uh, of course, uh, big game for DLR at the weekend. They had a, a lovely gesture. Their last game of the season, of course, they lost Luke Doherty during the season, their nutritionist. And uh, they did, um, well, I suppose effectively they donated their uh, gate receipts. They asked people to make a contribution uh, rather than pay into the game. And they made a, a donation to the, the lung, like the lung um, unit in the hospital where Luke had been. Um, fantastic gesture from them. Honestly, a little bit disappointed with the amount that was raised from a crowd of 600 people to raise 400. Yeah, but a lot of them are kids as well. That's the only thing you got to say. A lot, of, a lot of them are kids. And I think that they done the smart thing here is that they invited all the local school kids. And I think the fact that they gave out free footballs, some jerseys, things like that, they, they really tried to just make it a, not just a, a fundraiser, but also a celebration as well on the day. And they probably hit their their best stride that they've hit in the, in the, in the league for in terms of a league performance as well on the day scoring seven against against Treaty who unfortunately they're just seeing the season out at this stage they'd be disappointed but I get where you're coming from but it's still it's still a nice thing to, a nice thing to raise and it was a nice it's, it's it's good awareness as well as the the funds have been raised and I think from from the DLR side of things it's, I think it was a it was a it was a successful day from them. Yeah, the photos on social media afterwards look quite happy. They seem quite happy at winning another 19 champ or league as well on Sunday. So big weekend for DLR. Hats off to everyone involved in the club. Um, they, of course, are in action again this week. They make the long trip west to Sligo Rovers. They, that'll be their final game of the season. Um, let's talk Let's talk Sligo Rovers, actually. They went to Shells the weekend, put in a spirited performance. Heather O'Reilly came back. I'm eating humble pie on that. I didn't actually believe she'd be back. Um, it's amazing what a, a nice high-profile cup final can do. Uh, but it's it's great to see that she is back and that it wasn't just a token gesture that she did actually come into the club. Because I think that was, again, it's a bit, I suppose what's the word, it's a bit negative view on it, but it just did look a little bit like that. So it's really nice to see that that was genuine and not just a, I want to play in the Champions League and then I'm going to scoot, you know? Yeah, but I would have liked, um, I wouldn't know disrespecting towards Heather. I know she did other commitments, but I would have liked to see it be the entire rest of the season or come back as soon as come back as soon as possible. Coming back for the last two games in the cup is sort of, 
it's it's a difficult one from the, from an old king point of view as well. Do you play her? How much do you play her? How what do you do? She was only brought on for like ten minutes ten minutes towards the end of the game. And how much fitness does she have? Does she have anything? What can she contribute this week in in Wexford? There's there's so many different types of questions around it. And like from 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 there from her point of view, she it's, it's obviously an opportunity to win it potentially win a league in a in a cup in, in a different country. So there's there's many different opinion different opinions on it. I think I don't think she'll start this weekend. I don't think she'll start in the cup final either. I think she'd probably come on in both games, but I can't expect her to start in terms of Saturday. I thought Shell, Shell it was a professional performance from Shells in large periods. Um Jess Gargan back had an assist for the first goal, a lovely cross in, and Abby Larkin just flicked in flicked it into the into the corner in the net and then Abby Larkin scored the second, I could say from Amy Mahan the first time and keeper just couldn't react quick enough and Abby slotted into the back of the net. I think Abby playing more as 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 part of a front two rather than it wide was, was probably the best I've seen her in a good while playing. I thought she was very good for Shelburne. She she looked at, at dangerous throughout the game and at times you probably say Shells could have stepped on it, but Sligo held in there quite well and it was it was a it was a battling performance for them. They didn't offer an awful lot. They could have potentially pulled one back when it was one all, and if, if they score up and to make a one all, things might be different. But when Shells get the late second, it's more just about seeing the game out from a Shells point of view. But at the same time, you have to be admirable of, of Sligo's battling capabilities all season. There's oh. very few games where they've been absolutely destroyed, and as the new girls in the in the league, you'd expect that to happen. You'd expect big scores racked up. But to be fair, against the defending champions who are in the hunt. To go back top of the table, second last game of the season, and with ten minutes to go, it's still only one nil in the game. Like it's a, it it mightn't be pretty at times, but it's been damn effective all season. The biggest thing, the biggest thing you also got to say is is the fact that they've they've lost big characters at big times. Chris and Sample obviously got injured early in the season. Emma Hansby's been in and out with injuries and and, and things, so they haven't really ha- also had probably the settled experience that we would have wanted as well. You got to give them a lot of credit. There's but there's definitely been a lot of battles. Like on another day. On another day, they could other teams could roll over and be beaten six seven nil in these sort of these sort of occasions. Shells going for a title, but they didn't. They they hung in, and if they could have scored that goal, that opportunity when they hit the woodwork to make a one all, is it a different game? Do they go on and take a point out? Probably. And you look at the results they've had in Talca Park earlier in the season as well. It was a ninety third minute goal from Kiva Keenan that saw them lose in Talca Park earlier in the season. They put in two good performances in Talca, and like if he, if they can get a couple of more players in next season. They've got good foundations to build on. Absolutely. And, of course, Amy Boyle Carr joined the team in the, the last window, as well as Aoife Harren, who came in from Athlone uh, after a little break playing Gaelic. Uh, and they will, if they can continue to grow and bring in players that quality, I, I think they'll be there thereabouts. They'll be a reasonably solid side in the Women's National League for many, many years to come. Of course, we're throwing a, another Rovers-sized grenade into the league next year. We've already spoke to Collie O'Neill on the last episode about that. Uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about that over the next six months ahead of the, the opening rounds of the Women's National League. Uh, final game of the weekend, of course, Cork City and Bowes. Uh, two sides, both have probably underperformed by their own standards this year. Um, Bowes have... I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Bowes. I wouldn't say Bowes have underperformed this season. And that's being totally honest with you. You look at some of the players they have there, they probably shouldn't be getting some of the results that they've got. Like, yes, they brought in Rachel Doyle and Neve Pryor... And like Alita Griffin in the mid season, but there's only eight games to go at that stage. Like they've they've got some big results that they they probably shouldn't have got. Like they they they've, they've definitely been eking out a large a large performance out of out of players that maybe 
wouldn't necessarily be starting if they if they if they had the caliber of players they would have liked, and that's not being disrespectful, but I think they've come on massively, absolutely. But and I think for the fact that they're still in a battle for fifth place with one game to with one game to go, it shows how much they've come on. And I wouldn't say they'd be dis- disappointed. I do I do think Cork would be because I think it's been quite a poor season from Cork, definitely since Danny Murphy's come in. Things have changed. They put in a lot, lot more better performances, and they, they've looked a lot more organised, structured, and, and and put teams under more pressure. But in terms of the the goal that they did concede, it's probably a little bit, a little bit disappointing. The actual goal itself, especially so late on, they looked as though they were going to hold out for a draw. They did beat Bows and in Turner's Cross earlier in the season two one. So from a core point of view, they'll be disappointed they didn't get something out of out of the game. Um, Bows probably could have had a couple of more goals. Just weren't clinical, weren't clinical enough, and I think from a Bowes' point of view, you'd have to be happy with that season. And Cork, there's definitely a lot to build on. I think the fact that Danny's trying to build build all the bridges with all the local clubs and stuff like that, they're trying to do things right, and with the men getting back into the Premier Division, hopefully that'll have a knock-on effect on the women next year. I think the biggest news out of Cork in recent weeks has actually been at the 25-year lease. Uh, that's been signed with Turner's Cross. I think that stability for the club as a whole is really going to allow them to, to develop. And they kind of have a captive audience there. Cove is there, fair enough, on its doorstep, but Cove is Cove. Uh, Cork City is always going to be the, the higher or the bigger profile brand in that relationship. And uh, I think for what Cork can bring to that, I'd love to see the women really push on again because um, we need a strong Cork side. We need a strong side from from that Munster region and, and Treaty haven't been at the races this year for the most part. Um, it'd be interesting to see how uh, how that m- develops over the, the winter as well, what they look like at the start of next season. I Listen, the, the biggest thing is is the number one number one job for Cork City in the, as soon as the last game of the season ends is ensuring they keep Danny Murphy next year. That's the number one priority. You can see the attitude amongst the players, how things have changed, how they've improved. And if they could get a really, really strong pre-season into them, there's no doubt they could kick on from where they are at the moment. They've got some brilliant players. The likes of young Laura Shine up top, Eve Mangan, Zara Foley's come back in, obviously, from America a bit. I mean, McCarthy's had a decent season for them. They've got players there. It's just a, it's just a case of sometimes maybe they might need a little bit of an arm around the shoulder just to bring them to the next level. And I think Danny's probably the sort of person too. To do it, he can be he can give them the vocal when they need to, but he can also put the arm around them and say, "Listen, it's okay. Next week we'll we'll go again." And I think, to me, if they if they can tie Danny down for next season, that'll be a massive step in the right direction. Absolutely. Let's take a quick look at the league table before we move on to next week's fixtures. Uh, at the top, of course, as you can see, so tight between those three teams, Shells and Wexford, they face each other in a winner-take-all clash in Ferry Carrig on Saturday evening. Wexford youths need to win that game. A draw could be good enough for Shells, but they'll have to hope that Athlone don't win in their clash with Bohemians. Uh, Piemont United, unfortunately for them, knocked out of the running for the league title last week, still in touch with a second or third place finish. Uh, they, of course, make the journey down to Galway themselves, looking to hold on to that fifth place. So plenty of uh, decisions to be made in all of these games, with plenty of interest in maybe trying to finish fifth rather than seventh as you go down that table. And as we mentioned, uh, Sligo and Cork, a little bit of drift of bows in seventh, while Treaty United are in tenth place uh, at the moment and a disappointing season for them in that particular instance. Aaron, it's... Like where do where do you go with that? What's the the plan for for next year from from those two teams in particular? I know we touched on Cork a little bit, but where do you go for for Treaty and Donald Reardon? 
I think for I think for Don he just needs to continue to to build bridge to build bridges and structures with the local the local area because there's there's no doubt there's lots of great young players there. You see some of them in Galway, some of them in Cork, and I think he, he sort of set up himself when we spoke to him earlier in the se- a couple of weeks ago. He said that when we're coming in quite late as well, it didn't help him. I think he's built quite a good nucleus there. Yes, they've they've had a couple of times where they've been badly beaten, but. There's other times where they've come up and put in good performances against teams that maybe they weren't expected. And I think probably just need to get a bit of consistency. That's probably the biggest thing from a from a treaty point of view is, is if they can get a bit of consistency going and they can pick up early results next season. But if they get a couple of players in, that'd help. But the problem is, is if they don't get the players in, it could be a case of another another year of, of what we've seen this year. And I don't think that does anybody any justice. I think realistically... It's going to be a difficult off season for them. They'll probably have to hit the ground running straight away. It's it's about probably enticing, trying to entice players. Hopefully, players are starting to see the the tune of they no longer want to sit on benches in certain clubs and you know just be there because their friends are there. They want to play football. I think that's probably the biggest thing that in the in the national league that we need to break a mantra of. Too many players are just happy that they're 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 with certain clubs where. If you want to be the best, you got to, You got to be playing week in, week out, and hope that's how we improve the, the the weaker teams as well. If other players are seeing that there's an opportunity to play ninety minutes here, ninety minutes there, like look at Becky Watkins. Yes, Piemont were going for a league title, and she 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 left them to go. She were you know they went for a league title last year. They've won leagues. She left them because she saw she wasn't going to get an opportunity to play ninety minutes week in, week out. Yeah, it's worked very well for her at Wexford, but we've seen other players doing it going to the likes of Bowes. Um, Mia Dodd leaving Shelburne, Fiona Donnelly leaving Shelburne in recent years, just because they wanted to play regularly. And I think if they if if the likes of Treaty can attract players who maybe aren't playing at other clubs, that'll probably be a, a real step in the right direction. I think that bunch of youngsters that Don spoke to us a few weeks ago as well, and the likes of Amy Madden and others who've been coming through the ranks. Uh, it's a bright, bright future for Treaty, but it might just be a couple of seasons away uh, yet. Uh, in terms of the fixtures this weekend, of course, we all know about the big one. That's Wexford Youth and Shells. Uh, all the games, of course, kick off at 5.20, I believe. To no, there's um, two of them are early. Um, Treaty United, I think, is at 1 o'clock. Oh. And the... The PML games are five. The, the Sligo Rovers game is early as well. I think it might be a three o'clock kickoff. Okay. Two of the games are moved slightly earlier, off the back of the the fixture, the results last weekend. I'm gonna have to shoot the researcher. I, I still like the idea of having all the games at the same time. Um, yeah, I'll give it to you. It's Treaty and Cork is at one o'clock, and Sligo and DLR is at three o'clock. And then we've got PMount. We've got Galway PMount, Shells, uh, Wexford Shells, and Bowes not alone at five twenty. Yeah, so all the teams involved in the the real shakeup at the top of the table all kicking off uh, later in the day. Um, in terms of yourself, you'll obviously be watching that game, but uh, how do you think the the games are going to go? Where do you think people are going to finish? Can Galway hold on to fifth spot in the league? Um, who's going to win the league? Most importantly, I don't know who's going to win the league. I really, really, really don't. I think I wouldn't. See, the problem is, I wouldn't be shocked if any if any we see any result this weekend. We see a Shells when we see a Wexford win, or we see a draw down there. I am going down to myself, and it's one you can't miss. Wexford have had a title decider down there a couple of years ago when they played a young P-mount side, and they were successful that time. So they do. They have a nose of winning the league at home, at home as well. And I think it'll, it'll be a difficult, difficult task for them. I think for the fact that they dropped the points last week, giving Shells the advantage, but. 
then again, playing for a draw, playing for Shells can't play for a draw because of the results and the other results last week. So which means that Shells have to win it as well. A draw might see them in a play. I don't think they'll want that. So both sides will have to go for it. I think it'll be an exciting, it'll be an entertaining game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's a two one or a three one game that some teams are going for late on, and we do avoid the playoff and then Athlone potentially win to to finish second in the league, which would be even at that would be a be a fairy tale story for Tommy Hewitt, like seventeen league wins so far considering where they were last year, and they've only brought in a couple of players, a handful of players. It's just astronomical. I think they will get the win against Bowes and. I'd, I'd suspect that either the winner of Shells, Shells and Waxham will finish first and then Athlone will finish second. So, and P-Mount should beat Galway. You know, I think if Athlone win, they finish second regardless. Worst, worst place they can finish is second, you know, regardless of the result from the other one. Which They're is really, amazing. Yeah, it's a phenomenal season. Uh, P-Mount and Galway... Goway can't catch Piedmont, even though they're fourth and fifth in the table. Um, but Goway do need that win to keep the teams beneath them, the likes of Bose and DLR. Like I'd expect, I'd expect, I'd expect DLR, to, I'd expect DLR to beat Sligo, beat Sligo at the weekend, which would then mean that if Goway drop the points, then they, they'll 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 lose the place to to DLR. Absolutely. So, uh, big big decisions to be made at all levels of the league at the weekend. They were probably the main talking points. Uh, but the biggest talking point in the last two weeks, other than maybe uh, the choice of songs that people will be singing when they're celebrating, we're not going to get into that now. It's been done to death. We've seen number ones coming out off the back of it. But of course, the bit that we all seem to be forgetting in recent weeks, uh, I'm just actually going to try and bring it up here in front of me. I forgot to get it set up here. Is the actual World Cup draw? Um, your thoughts on on the draw that we saw last Sunday morning? Um, who, who can we expect to face? Are you happy with the draw? Is it as good as we could have hoped for? I think it's it's a difficult draw. You, you're getting two top sides. You're getting the host, and you're getting the Olympic champions. And then, as Vera even said, getting Nigeria, who are who be who be classed as the strongest team in Africa. But the problem is they don't play a lot of games against teams in Europe or teams teams like that. And so that's why they're ranked so low. It's it's not an easy group. It's it's definitely going to be a hard, it's definitely going to be a hard group and. I think the start of the competition on the second on the on the second game of the World Cup on the opening day in Sydney, what an opportunity for the Irish! It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to have that. Even to say we're there now, we know who we're going to play. It was never going to be easy. I think Australia in the opening day is just it's just something else. There'll be a, an unbelievable Irish buzz there. There'll be loads of Irish fans who'll who'll somehow manage to get their hands on tickets and then. I think the only one, the only one disappointment part of the Irish World Cup draw is the fact that we play games in Sydney, Perth, and Brisbane. So it's it's a lot of it's a hectic lot of travelling to go east, west, east. So it was it's it's tough, but you got to do it. It's going to be an amazing experience, and I really hope the the National League gets a, a massive kickoff on it. Be interesting to see where when the where the national league starts with next year because of the fact of the World Cup. If we're going to have a longer mid season break, there's lots of permutations. There's a window in November, there's an international window in February, and then there's one in April, and that's all we've got between now and the World Cup. And Vera started speaking last week about at the weekend about trying players out in in November and um, February and April are sort of where she she looked to nail down her squad, and I think it'll be it'll be tough to. Tougher players to break in, but what an exciting nine, ten months ahead. 
you know, I'm really excited about it as well. It's going to be, it's going to be great to see kind of over the next six or eight months how that squad gets formed and and who we're likely to see in it. Will she be? Will she be loyal to the people who got her there? I think in the most part she will, but I still wouldn't put a past her to pull one or two rabbits out of her hat. Will that be a, a newly fit again, El Malloy? Maybe. Will it be someone else breaking through from the current under 19s? Could it be someone like Joy Ralph? She's very she young. Talks, she talked something interesting at the weekend when we were speaking to her. She talked about um, players emailing and say they're eligible to play for Ireland. And she talked about the whole, they have to have a strong Irish heritage for her to consider them. She talked about um, they're not going to go for players if they don't already have an Irish passport. They're not going to help our players get Irish but just to qualify and play for a World Cup. So it'll be It'll be interesting if she unearths one or two from that, but I don't think by the sounds of things, I think she 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 wants to be really sure before she commits to letting someone like that play. I think you could be right in terms of it could be someone from an underage. Yes, Joy Ralph has had an unbelievable year as an underage football. Could be it could be it could be a national league player. It could be someone like even an Abby Larkin who struggled for for opportunities to have a great a great next year and then catapults herself into the into the squad because she hasn't been, she hasn't made the bench for the last number of games. So there's, there's massive opportunities. There's massive, it's a massive eight months for the, for, for the, for the home base players as well. I think it'll be interesting to see what she does in terms of, does she, do they have anything extra for the home base players? Like, like look what the North done because they had a lot more home base. They had them on professional contracts for six months leading up to the, leading up to the Euros, the, the national league, a couple of national league sides played them in friendlies as well. And I think, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a couple of players put on additional training programs and things like that from from the national league. But I'm just I'm excited for the World Cup. Um, hoping to go, obviously hoping to be there. Just waiting to just to finalise the stuff with, with with the day job. But once we do, we'll hopefully we book a flight to Australia for next summer. Well, listen, uh, the professional stuff is a bit awkward. We're looking at the trouble the Irish are having trying to get the uh, the women's 15s players. On professional contracts, and just, the money's not there. Fifteen grand a, a person. The girls are basically saying, "Nope, can't afford to live on fifteen grand a year." So, do the FAI have the money? We know they've been in the news this week uh, with their with the Jack distributors, and uh, that's a whole case that's going to blow up. There was a petition made to the High Court today, I believe, uh, according to reports, to wind them up. Uh, if they don't have that FAI contract, they're pretty much done and dusted. She talked. She talked a little bit. I'll give you a little bit more back based off what we had with Vera the weekend. They talked about the they'll get like preparation money as well out of FIFA and things like that, where she's hoping to use things like that towards to help with the preparation. Like they've already been talking about next summer. Do they have a do they do they have a base in Australia or do they not having a base? So even things like that with with cost, there's a lot to be worked out. And once they work that out, they'll sort of know. Sponsors will obviously want to be involved, so they should get a, a rise from, from sponsors as well. And hopefully, a lot of that will cover will cover the opportunities because there's no doubt we need to maximise the next the next year. Because if we don't, we'll never we, we'll we'll always live with what if. And once once every every T and I is crossed, and you can say we we've done everything we can, whatever will be then will be. Once you can hold your hand on your heart and say we've done everything. You know, people will be happy. Absolutely, uh, it means we've seen how the sponsor thing is going to go for them. It's it's a huge, huge ask. I, I would prefer to see that money be dished out before you have to qualify, help you qualify, rather than wait till you get to the top table and then we'll give you everything. It just 
it's one of those things that's just frustrating. But listen, Aaron, I think that's pretty much us for the week. It's been a, an exciting round of games last weekend. It promises to be even more exciting this week. All eyes, of course, will be on Ferry Carrick Clark for 5.20 on Saturday evening. And across the rest of the league, there's going to be excitement trying to see as teams finish up with a pretty lengthy break to, through the next uh, February or maybe earlier when the league kicks off. So all to be seen how that pans out later in the show. Uh, to Becky Watkins, who joined us at the start of the show for a chat about her uh, anticipation of the weekend ahead. Thanks very much for joining us. It's great to have her on the show. Aaron, um, neck on the block, who's winning the league? Before I let you go. <laughs> I'd love to say, I'm not going to lie, I'd love to say I found win the league. I really would. But... Um... I, I, I honestly can't call it. I think it's going to be a playoff. I'd love to see Athlone win it, but I think it's going to be a playoff. I think it's going to be a draw and very carry. And as long as Athlone do the business in Athlone in daily mode, but I think that's where it's going to end. I think Shells are going to win it. I'd love it. it. I think Shells I are going love. to win it in the playoff, unfortunately. But that's where we are. Speaking of playoffs, I might as well give one mention. Uh, full-time scores in the two playoffs tonight in the Airtricity League. Men's uh, Premier Division, First Division playoffs. Longford and Galway, two all in Bishop's Gate. Well, with uh, two minutes played in injury time it's 3-1 Waterford at uh, the promotion favourites looking likely to go into that uh, final week's time Aaron thanks for joining us chat to you again next week